Good to be here with you. Thank you for your invitation to speak God's Word, um, to open up the Scriptures, and to encourage you. I know that um, I am blessed by what God is doing here at New Hope Fellowship. I know that God's Spirit has been working for many years. I know that He'll continue to do so as God's people seek Him in true love and adoration of Him. I think today as I was praying about what topic He would want me to speak on, the important issue of religiosity versus a relationship with God came to mind. And with that, would you please bow your heads in prayer one more time to ask God's Spirit to uh, open our eyes to Him? Father, thank You for Your Holy Scriptures that we may know, not just know about You, but that we may know You and draw closer. And we pray, Father, that You would speak to our hearts, that You would give us understanding, that You would give us the strength and the faith to live out our lives to honor You. We ask that we would not have the appearance of spirituality, but we would have the genuine faith and the hope and the love that only comes from Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we have just read from Mark chapter 7, we see that the Pharisees came down from Jerusalem. Now many of you know that Jerusalem was the capital of Israel at that time, but it was not only the political capital, it was the spiritual capital. It was also the place of the most financial commerce. It's where the high and mighty lived. And these religious Pharisees came down from Jerusalem and they wanted to check out what was this commotion about this rabbi named Jesus. And as they went to go check him out, they noticed something. Verse 2 tells us that they saw that some of his disciples, not all, but some of their disciples did not follow the customs of washing their hands in a certain way. They did not follow the rituals of washing the pitchers or the cups before they ate, and they were ceremonially unclean, and therefore they were aghast. Look at these provincial backwater hillbillies. They're from Galilee. They don't follow the traditions of the elders. They're eating with unclean hands and unclean utensils. So the Pharisees went up to the head of these rebels and said to Jesus, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders? They're eating with unclean hands. And that really wasn't a question as it was an accusation. Now those of you who are married know something about that. When your spouse says to you, why didn't you take out the garbage this morning? Or if they say to you, how could you have forgotten our anniversary again? Now, that's formed as a question, but that's not a question. It's an accusation. And Jesus knew the accusation of these religious leaders, and he says to them in verses 6 and 7, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. As it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain, and their teachings are but rules taught by men. Ouch. You know, sometimes Jesus says things in parables. Other times he says things pretty clearly and plainly. It's because we need to hear it loud and clear like this passage. You know, what's the Lord saying to these religious leaders? He's saying, you follow traditions of people more than the commands of of God. You honor the Lord with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. He's saying that many people are religious. Many people go to church. 
Many people read the Bible. Many people sing these wonderful praise songs with their lips, but their hearts are far from God. Brothers and sisters, are you religious or do you actually have a relationship? Are you thinking, how many more times is the praise singer going to lead that song again? When he says one more time, it's not one more time, it's like three more times. If you're thinking that, you are religious. When you tithe, do you tithe because you think that's what you should do? Or do you tithe with joy? If you tithe, you're religious. But if you tithe with joy, you have a relationship. Which is it? When you read the Bible, do you read the Bible because you think, I have to read the Bible because I'm a Bible study leader, I have to read it? Or do you read the Bible because you want to spend time with your Lord and Savior? If you read the Bible out of habit, if you tithe out of duty, you're religious. And Jesus is saying to you, you honor God with your lips, but your heart is far from me. Do you understand the difference between religious people and people who actually have a relationship? People who are religious want to emphasize the exterior. They dress nicely. They're at church every single Sunday. They know scripture verses. I remember in my home church in Philadelphia that there was a certain church leader that went around quoting scripture all the time. And he kept telling you chapter and verse, chapter and verse, and chapter and verse. But he was one of the meanest guys in the church. Do you know people like that? People who will tell you, oh, this is what the Bible says, this is what the Bible says, this is what the Bible says, but they don't live like that. They have pride in their heart, and they think they're better than other people. Friends, if you think that you're better than so-and-so because they're not reading the Bible, you're religious, and you're lacking a relationship with God. If you go to early morning prayer meeting, and you pray an hour a day, and he's like, well, if you were really spiritual, you would pray like me. Jesus is saying to you, you honor God with your lips, but your heart is far from me. God desires a relationship, not our lip service. You know, if you ask a religious person, how would you describe your faith? They'll probably say things like, I go to church, I pray, I volunteer at the soup kitchen. However, if you ask a person who has a relationship with Christ, he or she would say, God loved a sinner like me so much that he would send Jesus, the Son of God, to die on the cross for my sins and to rise again to give me new life. Isn't it amazing that God would love a person like me? He's washed my sins away. That is amazing grace. Are you beginning to see the difference between a religious person and the person who has a relationship with God? You know, there are some churches that use only the King James Version Bible. And they'll say, you know what, if you are a real church, if you were a spiritual church, you would use the authorized version of the King James Version Bible. There are other churches that only sing hymns. It's like, oh, we're a real church. We sing the real theological songs, only hymns, none of these sappy praise songs, right? But friends... Are we judgmental of judgmental people? Do we say, oh, we sing praise songs. We're not uh, uptight. We're not like these liturgical churches where you have to sit, kneel, stand, sit, kneel, stand. We don't genuflex. We don't have holy water. 
Are you proud that you're not like those proud people? You're religious too. God is saying each and every one of us are hypocrites. And until you realize that you're a hypocrite, you don't understand Jesus. If you think that you're a good person and that you are somehow a blessing to God because you have so many gifts and talents and that you have an important place in God's kingdom, then you are missing the picture. And Jesus is saying to you, you honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. Friends, we should not be gospel Pharisees. We, as Christians, can easily become gospel Pharisees. We could say, we understand the gospel better than those people at that church. We understand the gospel better than those people who only use the King James Version. We understand the gospel better than those people who only sing hymns or only sing praise songs. We sing both. Friends, God looks at our heart. He doesn't just look at what we do. He knows the motives of our heart. You know, when the Bible says these people follow the traditions of the elders, does anyone know the Greek word for elders in the Bible? The Greek word for elders is? Presbyterian. <laughs> and those of you who are laughing probably grew up Presbyterian just like me. And if you grew up Presbyterian, you know that one of the famous verses, the verse that Presbyterians love to quote is 1 Corinthians 14, which is, God is not a God of confusion, but of order. He likes things nice and neat. He likes structure. He likes systematic theology. In fact, could you imagine if two people at your job got together during coffee break and they said, oh, what did you do this weekend? Oh, I actually went to a great church service. And they're like, oh, where do you go to church? Oh, I go to Faith Presbyterian. And they said, oh, really? I go to Hope Presbyterian. That's amazing that we're both Presbyterian. Well, you know, at your church, do you guys use the Apostles' Creed or the Nicene Creed? Uh, we use the Apostles' Creed. Oh, wow, us too. Isn't that a great? Oh, well, do you use the Heidelberg Catechism or the Westminster Catechism? Oh, we use the Westminster Catechism. Oh, yeah, that's much better. That's, you know, it's longer. It's, yeah, that's solid. That's wonderful. And when you pray the Lord's Prayer, do you pray, uh, forgive us our trespasses, or do you pray, forgive us our debts? Oh, we pray, forgive our debts. That is more accurate to the Greek. Oh, yes, amen. Oh, where did your pastor go to seminary? Uh, Princeton Theological Seminary. Away from me, you liberal heretic. <laughs> Could you imagine that? It's not so hard to imagine. I remember um, I went to a seminary called Westminster, and there are a lot of Presbyterians that go there, and I remember that one professor had a heart attack uh, watching a professional baseball game on TV, and he passed away. And one of the other professors got up and said, it's too bad that this professor died profaning the Sabbath because he was watching a baseball game. And, you know, some of you who grew up Presbyterian know that, you know, some churches say you shouldn't spend any money on the Sabbath. You shouldn't go to restaurants. You shouldn't go to gas stations because you're causing other people to work on the Sabbath. But they're not Christian. And yet they expect other people to behave like them. If you're really spiritual, you would honor God with the Sabbath the way I honor God, is what they teach you. And some of you know that because they follow tradition of the elders. Now, not to say the Presbyterian church has got it all wrong, because they have a lot right. But those of us who are non-denominational, like New Hope Fellowship, like the River Church, can easily become proud 
that we're not like them. But if we're proud that we're not like them, we're just as proud. And God is saying that we have a problem too. Friends, religious people repent of their sins. People who have a relationship with Christ repent of our righteousness. What does that look like? Because our greatest problem isn't necessarily the bad things that we do, but it's the good things that we derive our sense of worth and righteousness. Who did Jesus say were further away from the kingdom of heaven? Was it the prostitutes and tax collectors? Was it? No. Who were they? They were the what? The Pharisees. They were the teachers of the law. They were the scribes who actually copied Scripture. They were the furthest from the kingdom of God. Why? They did good things. They helped the poor. They fed the hungry. They prayed publicly. Yet, their heart was far from God. Friends, do you honor God with your lips and your traditions? Do you read the Bible out of duty? Or you desire God with a heart that is humble and say, I need to repent of my righteousness. I want to serve and love God because He has served and loved me. Let's go on to verses 9 to 13. Verses 9 to 13 go on to say, He said to them, You have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. But Moses said, Honor your father and your mother. And anyone who curses his father or mother must be put to death. But you say that if a man says to his father or mother, whatever help you might otherwise have received from me is korban, that is, a gift devoted to God, then you no longer let him do anything for his father or mother. Thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and you do many things like this. Now this is a situation that during this time period that the Jewish tradition was that if you had parents who were elderly and needed financial assistance, and you had a limited amount of resources, what you could do is you could make a korban gift, which literally means a sacrifice, and give it to the synagogue. And say, so, you know what, I, sorry mom and dad, I can't help you because I gave that money to the synagogue. But then when, after they passed away, you could ask for that money back. And you're like, wow, that is terrible. How could they neglect the fifth commandment of honor your father and mother so that they could just have money for themselves? That is so selfish. They're breaking God's commands. But think about it. Are we any different? You know, God says we shall have no other gods before him. But how many of us put our careers before God? How many of us put our children before God? How many of us put our education before before God. Many of, us, many of us do. And those of us who know the Bible says, thou shalt not commit murder. What did Jesus say about murder and anger? That if you have anger and hatred to someone else in your heart, that you've committed spiritual murder. If you have lust in your heart, that you've committed spiritual adultery. Before we point the finger at these Pharisees, we have to look at the three fingers pointing back at us and saying, we are just like them. They need a great Savior, and we need a great Savior. However, the passage goes on in verse 14 and 15, and it says, again, Jesus called the crowd to them and said, listen to me, everyone 
And understand this. Nothing outside a man can make him unclean by going into him. Rather, it is what comes out of a man that makes him unclean. You see, many Jewish people back then, as well as many Jewish people today, have dietary restrictions. And they say, well, we keep kosher. We don't eat meat with dairy products. We do not eat selfish. We do not eat uh, pork, because that is what the Old Testament prescribed. And they try to uh, make themselves more righteous by performing these dietary rituals. But God says very clearly here, it's not what goes into a person that makes them unclean, but it's what comes out of a person. Honoring God on the Sabbath is not about going to a restaurant or not, but it's worshiping Him in spirit and in truth. God wants us to know Him, not just with our traditions, not just with our lips, but with our hearts and minds and souls and bodies. Friends, God wants us to grow in understanding that it's not about what we do. Religious people emphasize what they do. It's about the sacrifices that they make for God. People who have a relationship with Christ emphasize what God has done for us. It's not about our little sacrifices. It's about His great sacrifice. And when we allow God's great sacrifice to sink into our heart, it changes the way we live. It changes the motivation to serve the poor. You know, many of you have fed the homeless, but do you do that because that's what you think Christians should do? Or do you do it because you want to? If you don't want to, then it shows that your heart is not in the right place. And you need to pray and repent of your righteousness and say, Lord, help me to have your heart for the poor and hungry. Help me to love them as you love me. Help me to see them as people who are a reflection of me and my spiritual state. You know, when you serve the homeless, you know, they do smell. But their physical odor is like our spiritual odor to God. When people are hungry, it shows that they are spiritually hungry too. And we need to be poor in spirit as well. And when you understand it, when you understand that, that you're going beyond just the religiosity, but you're entering into a relationship with the living God. Friends, are you beginning to see the difference between religiosity and a relationship with God? And this last section is the most important because in this first part of chapter 7, it talks a lot about the tradition of the elders. It talks a lot about dietary restrictions. It talks a lot about doing things. But the last paragraph talks about the heart. Jesus says, are you so dull? Don't you see that nothing that enters into a person from the outside can make him unclean? For it doesn't go into his heart, but into his stomach, and then out of his body. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. He went on and said, what comes out of a man is what makes him unclean. For from within, out of men's hearts, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and make him unclean. Friends, where does this passage say these evil desires come from? Do they come from the world? Do they come from some outside force? Where does it say they come from? Within. They come from your heart. 
You know, when you are in a difficult situation, let's say during the holidays, you got together with some family members that you really don't like. This is just a hypothetical situation, of course. But you got together with certain family members you don't like, and they said things that you did not like. How many of you felt like heat rising on the back of your neck? How many of you wish, like, I wish this person would just go away? That kind of anger was not caused by the other person. That anger was already inside of your heart. That other person brought it to the surface, but that anger was already there. The Bible is saying that your heart is like a five-gallon bucket. You know those five-gallon buckets that you have in your you know, bathroom or in your basement to clean up a mess with a mop? A five-gallon bucket, if it was, let's say, half-filled with mud, most of the time, you won't see a five-gallon bucket half-filled with mud. You won't see the mud. But what happens if you drop a brick into that bucket? What's going to happen to that mud? It's going to come out. It's going to spill out. Well, guess what? When your relatives that you don't like come to your house and stay for a whole week, that's a, buck, that's a brick in your bucket. And guess what comes out? Anger. Frustration. When you are passed over for a promotion and someone else who is less qualified than you gets that promotion, that's a brick in your bucket. And you start saying negative things about your coworkers. That's the mud in your life. When you're envious of other people, when you're proud, when you struggle with lust, that's the mud in your heart that comes out. Yes, a brick is being dropped, but the stuff that comes out in your life, that's all you. When someone cuts you off on 287, and you want to cut them off, and you want to give them the finger and do all these mean things, that's not that person that caused it. It's your heart. God wants you to not be religious. He wants you to have a relationship. He wants to pour living water into your dirty bucket. You know, what happens when you put water into a bucket that's half filled with mud? Look, what happens when you start pouring water into that bucket? It gets pretty dirty still. It looks muddier. It gets, like, mud starts coming all over the place. But what happens when you keep pouring water into that bucket? It eventually pushes the mud out and pushes the mud out and pushes the mud out until there's less and less mud. So that when you drop a brick in that bucket now, only water comes out and not mud. You see, religious people, they hide behind their religiosity. Oh, I'm a deacon in the church. I'm an elder in the church. I, I lead praise. And God sees right to our heart. And he knows how much mud is still in there. And there's still a lot of mud in your heart and in my heart. And we need Christ's living water to flow inside our heart every day so that we can be renewed, that we can be washed. Friends, it is only through the living water of Jesus Christ that we can let go of our religiosity and say, Lord, I'm a hypocrite. Lord, I have anger issues. Lord, I have greed issues. Forgive me, wash me, renew me, change me, make me into the person you want me to be. And when you begin to pray those prayers, God will begin to pour living water into your heart. And it'll, it'll be messy. Initially, it will be messy. But you will grow in his likeness. Not just with the lip service, but in your heart. And your heart will be cleansed. And you will be renewed. And you will be refreshed. Friends, when you grow in a relationship with God, it changes your life. 
And not only will you repent of your sins of anger, pride, greed, and lust, but you also repent of your righteousness. How many of you repent of saying, I tried to prove I was right in this argument? Even though I was right, it was wrong for me to really press that point. You know, those of you who are married, let me ask you, when was the last time you apologized to your spouse? If you can't remember, that's a bad sign. If you cannot remember the last time you said, I'm sorry, please forgive me, it means that you're a religious person and your relationship with Christ is lacking. It's saying that you're insecure and you cannot admit your faults even to your own family member. I would sit down and maybe even ask your spouse after this service and say, I'm sorry for not saying I'm sorry. Help me. Pray for me. Ask for God's humility to come into my heart. Ask God to change me from the inside out. You see, religion wants to try to change your behavior. If you change your behavior, maybe somehow it will get to the heart. It doesn't work that way. But in grace, in Christianity, Christ comes to us. And he washes us on the inside. And he changes us and renews us. And that life is becoming more and more evident in our life. Friends, that is what makes Christianity unique. You know, every religion in the world says, help the poor, pray, meditate, read your scriptures. But only in Christianity is it about what God has done for us. It's about his sacrifice for us. And when we give our lives in response to what he's done for us, it renews us. It refreshes us. It is the way in which Christ's living water flows into our life so that we will want to say, honey, please forgive me. Could you imagine yourself actually going to your spouse and wanting to seek forgiveness from them? Some of you are like, that is so foreign to me. That's exactly why you need to hear this message. Stop being religious and enter into a life-changing relationship with Jesus so that you will have the confidence and the humility to seek reconciliation with the people that you have hurt. And when you do that, you will begin to experience Christ's presence, Christ's joy, and Christ's life more and more. God wants us to be secure enough in Him that we can go to our brother and go to our sister and say, I'm sorry, please forgive me. I know that's foreign to a lot of you Asian people out there because we don't like to acknowledge our faults, but we need to grow in the grace of the gospel. We need to grow in our relationship with Christ. Say, Lord, give me that compassion. Give me that humility that only comes from Jesus so that I can live the life you want me to live, a life of joy, a life of peace, a life of humility, a life of your likeness. Instead of being religious, have a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ that touches your heart and soul and renews you from the inside out. Amen? Amen. Would you bow your heads in prayer with me? Father, thank you so much for this passage that shows us that we are all muddy buckets, that we all lack a deeper relationship with you. Father, help us to turn away from those things that are our righteousness and help us to draw closer to you. Help us to know you in our heart. Help us to know you in our mind. Help us to know you in our life. Not just in our Sunday worship where things are nice, but when we go home 
And when we have a disagreement with our spouse, when we have an argument with a friend, that we can have the humble confidence to acknowledge that we have some parts that we need to repent of as well. Teach us, Lord, to grow in your humility and to seek your healing and your love in the people around us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.